Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. When you make His priority your priority, it will begin to give you direction and purpose in your life. As we get older, visits to the doctor often come with instructions of things that we need to eliminate from our diet. Salt, sugar, fried foods, to name a few things. Well, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, are there some things that we may need to eliminate from our lives? Whatever it is that may be hindering you, it's not worth it. You're better off getting rid of that thing in your life. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we come to the end of chapter 9 in the book of Mark in our series, Jesus, the Real Action Hero. In Pastor Clay's last message, he talked about a couple of things that we need to know regarding our perspective on life and our position in life. Perspective is everything and your position is nothing. I'm, I'm a servant. How can I serve? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my neighbors? How can I serve uh, the, the people around me that I work with? How can I serve? It's, it's taking on that perspective. Today, he's going to share three more things that we need to think about as followers of Christ. And one of those things is the possibility of the need to get rid of some things in our life. Following Jesus means that we need to be ready to eliminate what may hinder our walk with Him. Let's see about this and the other things that we can learn today from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 50. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. Walking our way, it's a year-long study. I wasn't sure how long it's going to be when I started, but it's, it's going to be a little over a year-long study in the book of Mark. We're walking through the book of Mark. We're learning about this man of action, Jesus, the real action hero. Got my action hero, Jesus, figure up here. I told you all that before. I don't have any dolls. I got an action figure. I'm sorry. I'm not secure enough in my masculinity. I got a, I got a figure, my Jesus figure. <laughs> and he is the real action hero. Hollywood coming out with all kinds of blockbuster superheroes and all that kind of stuff. We're walking through the book of John. And in, in the, if you're new to this or if you've forgotten because it's been so long, it's entitled, this series is entitled that way because one of the things that comes out in the book of John, man, John, I mean, the book of Mark is that, man, Mark, Mark's just going from action event to action event. He doesn't, he doesn't go into as much detail as some of the other gospel writers, Matthew and, and Luke and, and John, those other three gospel writers. He's hitting the high spots, and there's reasons for that. But two weeks ago, we started in, uh, in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 50. And, we're, and I said we we're going to look at five things. First two things that we looked at, and we started, let me give you just a real brief uh, review. We, we started with this, this uh, first idea. The perspective is everything. By the way, if you like to take notes, if you don't know it, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin. Feel free to do so. If you don't, that's okay too. Uh, but the perspective is everything. And let, let me read the text to you again uh, so that we can uh, kind of make sure we have the context. It says, from there, from the last thing that they've been doing, uh, from there they went out and began to go through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know about it. Jesus didn't want anybody, hey, don't tell anybody that, I am, that I'm coming through town. That seems a bit, <laughs> a bit odd. And we talked about that, right? We'll talk about it here again in a second. But he says, From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. 
Somebody should say amen there. I just, I just thought it was a good place. <laughs> Verse 32. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. All right, I'm not going to go through all of that again because I covered it two weeks ago, but, but the, the, the main point is... Uh, Jesus' disciples keep struggling with this, this idea of here and now, right? They keep struggling with, well, we got to make Jesus uh, the Messiah, the Savior. we gotta, we got to set him up as, as king in Israel. And they had this idea of overthrowing the, the Roman Empire and establishing the glory of the nation of Israel again. And, and they've read all these promises. And they said, well, it's time. We've got to do it. And, and so we've got to get Jesus out there. He's got to get in front of the people. He's got to do miracles and all this kind of stuff. And so it probably came as quite a shock to them to hear Jesus say, hey, don't tell anybody that I'm, that I'm coming through. But the reason was Jesus' perspective was different from theirs. Their perspective was here and now and, and what we need to see happen. His perspective was eternal. It, was far, it includes here and now. We talked about that. It includes here and now, but it goes far beyond that. That because his perspective was eternal, he said, guys, I, listen, I've got things I've got to teach you. It's not that I, I, I perform miracles, I heal people, I've done all that kind of stuff. And it's not that that is bad. It's just that I'm getting ready to go to the cross and, I, and there's some things you need to know before that happens. So the perspective is everything. And, and we talked about that in our lives and how perspective changes the way you look at everything. And when your perspective begins to move from a temporal or temporary or here and now perspective to an eternal perspective and think, oh, no, this, is, this is not it. This is not the final result. This is not where it's, that there's something more beyond that. It changes the way you approach life. It changes the way you approach people, the way you think, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. And I've said this before, this is one of, my, one of my mantras, and I have many, but one of my mantras that I've, I've given to you all before is, is this. The, the things of this world, the stuff down here is destined for dust. And that's the truth. And, and hey, fantastic. If you, if, you, if you drive a fantastic car, beautiful home, whatever we have, those things are fine. But you need to realize, your perspective needs to be, eventually, this is all, this is destined for dust. And so the perspective is everything. The second thing that we said a couple weeks ago was this. Your position is nothing. Five things. Perspective is everything. Your position is nothing. And in verse 33, it says this. Y'all with me? They came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, uh, he began to question them. So they'd been walking on the road. He had told them he was going to die. He's going to rise from the dead. And so they get to Capernaum. They get in the house. And he began to question them. Jesus says, uh, what were you discussing on the way? Hey, what were you guys talking about? <laughs> Verse 34. But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. I can't understand why they didn't want to say anything to Jesus about that. Uh, sitting down, uh, verse 35, sitting down, Jesus uh, called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And taking a child, he set him before them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever uh, receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. Jesus says, guys, it's, it's not about how much you can achieve or how great you can become or in the eyes of other people or in your own eyes or anything else like that. It's learning that your position in, in this world is, is really nothing. And what I mean is you have to take that perspective. Now, I just want to say this to you. From God's perspective, you are an incredibly valuable child of His. Okay? He loves you enough to die for you. So, so he, he loved you enough to create you. And God don't create no junk. So 
so God's perspective of you is that you are precious and you are worth redeeming and that he loves you and wants this relationship with you. But our perspective has to be, this, this is not about me. This is not about what I can do. This is not about, you know, how famous I can become or how great I can become. And I, I said this uh, two weeks ago, and, uh, and some of you, a lot of you, several of you tweeted this out, and I'll, I'll just remind you of it again. The world measures success by how many people you can get to serve you. God measures success by how many people you serve. And, and those two positions are diametrically opposed. And you have to understand that in the end, you know, this is, this is not about me. So the perspective is everything, and your position is nothing. I'm, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. How can I serve? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my neighbors? How can I serve uh, the, the people around me that I work with? How can I serve? It's, it's taking on that perspective of life. And hey, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. That's why the perspective is so important. Because <laughs> it's hard to get in that position of a servant if your perspective is still right here, right now. Because you'll come up on the short end of the stick from time to time <laughs> when you're the servant, won't you? All right, here's the, uh, here's the first one that we're going to dig into this morning. The third one of the five things um, is this. His priority is the only thing. Let's look at it in verse uh, 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as a follower of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. As a result of Jesus' clarification in verse 35 through 37, remember in 35 through 37, we just talked about it, but he, he explains to them what, what greatness really is. They're talking about who, who, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. Oh, I'm the greatest. Oh, I'm the greatest. They're discussing that. Jesus says, come here, guys, let me explain to you. The greatest person is the person who is the person who is servant of all. Now, uh, as a result of that, either, either he feels convicted <laughs> because of what they did, or he wants clarification as to whether what they did is, is correct or not. But John says, uh, listen, uh, Jesus, we saw this guy today, and, uh, and he, was, he was casting out demons in your name. And, and we tried to hinder him. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it says, we forbade him. <laughs> we forbid him. They tried to hinder him by forbidding him to do what clearly was a good work, right? I mean, this guy is, he, he's... he's taking on the, the spiritual realm, the, the darkness, and he's, he's investing in people's lives. And John's only reason, apparently, for why they did what they did, for stopping what obviously was a good thing that this guy was doing, his only uh, reason, their only reason was he wasn't with us. <laughs> he wasn't with us. Jesus clarifies and says, now, listen, you better believe he very much was with us and is with us. Nobody is going to do things uh, in the name of Jesus, going to do good in the name of Jesus, and then turn around and try and do evil or, or wrong things in the name of Jesus. It's not going to work like that. And so don't hinder, don't stop some person that's, that's investing in the kingdom. 
that's the one word. I got a bunch of words for you, but, but to start with the one word, the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom, the kingdom of God and what God is desiring to do in, in, in expanding his kingdom and helping more people understand who he is and what he has done and what his plans for are uh, for our lives and for eternity. And Jesus says, don't, don't hinder him. Don't stop him. And he says, remember, this, while they're out arguing, right? While they're arguing about who's the greatest, this guy's out there and he's rolled up his sleeves and he's, he's jumping into the demonic realm and he's, he's attempting to cast out demons and he's uh, attempting to, to cleanse people from whatever the struggles or physical ailments or whatever all the things are going on in their life, whatever all uh, that was. It's not just in word, it's in word and deed. And that guy was very much with us. He may not have physically been with Jesus. We don't know who he was. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how he came to know Jesus. But this we can be assured of based on what Jesus said. He was definitely with Jesus. When I was in seminary many years ago, I did an interim pastor, a temporary pastor at a church called uh, Green Sea Baptist Church, Green Sea, South Carolina. It really was just, it was a wide spot, it really is a wide spot in the road, just real rural country, lots of wheat fields and that kind of stuff, but, uh, but the people were great to, to my family and they treated us well and it was a great experience and great opportunity. And I did an interim down there. And what would happen is Cindy and I would, uh, would drive down on Friday night and uh, we would stay there Friday night and Saturday night and I would preach Sunday morning, preach Sunday night and then we would load up and drive back to Wake Forest uh, late Sunday night. So one weekend we were down there uh, on a Friday or Saturday night, I went with, with one of the leaders, one of the guys in the church, went to visit somebody and I don't remember if this guy had, had visited Green Sea at one point, I don't know what the connection was, but he wanted to take me to visit some guy. So we went driving and uh, we stopped at this house to get directions. Okay, this is, this is before there was much GPS around, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know that it really would have helped out there, to tell you the truth. Um, but, but we stopped to get directions. And this guy, uh, you know, at the front door, where it was we're talking to him, he says, <laughs> he says, y'all are from Green Sea Baptist Church? I'm trying, sorry, trying to do something. Uh, yes, sir? Green Sea Baptist Church, isn't that, uh, isn't that on the other side of a Blackwater Creek? I don't know whether it was really Blackwater Creek, but that, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. Shout out to the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Preacher talked about the Doobie Brothers. Okay, anyway. Anyway, sorry. Come back. Yep. In Green Sea on the other side of Blackwater Creek. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, uh, we uh, over here attend so-and-so, whatever it was, so-and-so Baptist Church. And uh, we don't go across Blackwater Creek and come over there where y'all are. Y'all don't need to come over across Blackwater Creek to where we are. I, I didn't even know that there were creeks and divisions in the kingdom of God. I did, I, I did not even know that. But that was, that, was that, that, was his, that was his mentality. And listen, the, the, the priority is the kingdom. It's, it's not this church or that church or... or y- y- y'all understand what I'm saying? When we started... I'll tell you all this. 
we started Cross Culture Church. I, God just laid this uh, an idea on my heart, and I felt like other people were with it. And we started this thing. I had somebody call me uh, not long afterwards from the previous church that I pastored in, in Durham for a number of years. And uh, they called me basically to tell me that they forgave me for, for doing this. And that as long as Cross Culture stayed over in Raleigh, stayed over there, so I'll stay over there in Raleigh, be all right. <laughs> Listen, his priority. His priority. That's, that's what matters. Not, not which church or how many, who has the most people or who has the most money or who has the biggest building or... You understand what I'm saying? That should be the priority. Our priority should be that God, um, who is life can I invest in? Who can I help demonstrate or share the love of Christ to? If you're, if you're, since you're real and since, since there is an eternity and, and since your word says what, what it takes to get it, God, how can I be investing and be a part of that kingdom work? Now, let me tell you what, uh, real quickly, what the right uh, priority, having his priority let me, let me give you a couple of things about what that will do for you in your life, okay? Um, first, it clarifies direction and purpose. When you begin to assume his priority, in other words, when you make his priority your priority, it will begin to give you d- direction and purpose in your life, right? How many of y'all have said to me at some point or have said to somebody, I, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to go, I don't know what I'm supposed to, go to school. I don't know what I'm supposed to When you make his priority... You're, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? And it's not just about, you know, well, I've got to be good. I've got to try and, you know, toe the line or whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about saying God's priority is the kingdom. God wants to expand the kingdom. He wants to draw people to himself and let them know that there, that there is salvation, that there is forgiveness for our sins as a result of what Christ has done on the cross. And he wants to see more people, whether, it, whether it's here, there, or everywhere, as we say around here. So it's when, when my priority becomes his priority, I begin to say, all right, this is about the kingdom. This is not about me. It, it clarifies direction and purpose. Let me tell you how that, how that really became uh, helpful to me the first time that I can remember what it did. I was in my early 20s, early mid-20s when I surrendered my life to Christ. And I was working for uh, the United States Postal Service. And uh, there were days when I absolutely hated to go into work. Did any of y'all ever feel that way? Does anybody ever feel that way? You just, oh, I hate to go into work. <laughs> that was a lot of y'all but sure right there are days when I, oh, I do not want to do this now in my case working for the post service uh part of that was a result of the fact that a lot of the work that i did was very monotonous there were some but a lot of stuff was very monotonous um it, it was it, it was pressure there was a lot of pressure there it's hard to explain there's a lot of pressure there supervisors could be real Bad people, <laughs> sometimes. You know what I'm saying? They they can they can be real real friends, and uh, and so it just it just made uh, it just made work hard. And I and I didn't. I was like, oh, okay, Jesus, I'm all new to this, but can you fix me up with something else <laughs> that pays as much or more? That would be okay too. <laughs> uh, but when the, when I begin to get a hold of here's what happened. When I begin to hold to get to hold this idea that his priority was my priority, it totally changed my my idea of my purpose in in life and employment at the United States Postal Service. Because here I began to realize for the very first time that really I didn't work for the United States Postal Service. I didn't work for them. I began to realize that God simply was using the United States Postal Service as the, as the means to provide financial resources for me and for my family. But I really worked for 
Who? God. I really worked for him. The postmaster general may have signed my paycheck, but it was, it, it, this was about God and what he wanted. So can you think about it now? Think about your own job. How would, how would that change if you, if you got up and... God, what do you got in store today? Down there at fill in the blank, wherever you work. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to invest? How can I uh, better model you? How can I uh, promote you? How can I, how can I make your name fan? What, what do you want me to do? And it doesn't, hey, you guys know this. It doesn't mean you have to carry around your 10-pound Bible everywhere and, and uh, somebody says, hey, uh, how was your weekend? Let, let me telleth thou. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's living out because his priority is now my priority. And so I'm, I'm looking at that person. I'm saying, God, that's a person of infinite value and worth. And you desire a relationship, an intimate personal relationship with them. How can I, how can I be a part of that? It changed my perspective. It changed my purpose. It gave me clarity as to why I was doing what I was doing. So, it, it clarifies direction and purpose. Second, it nullifies excuses. I, I won't spend a lot of uh, time here because uh, I don't want y'all looking down, shuffling your feet or stuff too much. But, uh, but when, he, when his priority is my priority, the things that, it's amazing what, what I can come up with sometimes for excuses for not doing something or why I don't want to do something or, or why I, I whatever. It begins to nullify this because, well, wait a minute, so wait a minute. It's not about me. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the kingdom. It's about what God desires to accomplish. So that's just one, of, I'm just telling you, that's one of the side benefits. It'll nullify excuses. Third, it magnifies the name of Jesus because his priority is now my priority. So I'm, I'm focused, I'm, I'm sorting mail with the objective of, of how, can, how can I be used by God. Listen, can I tell you this? There were plenty of days when I went home and I didn't have a clue how God may have used me. And the, and the supervisor was still a rear end. Right? It was still, but, but I knew that his priority is what mattered. That was the only thing. And, I, and that's what I had to focus on. And so even though there may have been days that I wasn't sure what he, do, what he had done, there were plenty of days when I, when I saw work that God did. I was like, God, that's cool. Thanks for using me in that way. Or thanks for helping me to just perhaps uh, magnify your name in, in some way or something like that. So it, it, it magnifies the name of Jesus. And then fourth, this is just the natural consequence. It multiplies the kingdom. The kingdom expands. The kingdom means, we're simply talking about all those that uh, make this decision to say, I, I believe that God sent his son to pay for my sins. I am a sinner. That's what the Bible says. I know that I violated God's righteousness. I desire uh, to be forgiven. I believe in Christ and I, and. I want to be a part of the family of God. That, that's, in essence, what the kingdom, what we're talking about with the kingdom. The kingdom expands. As I make his priority my priority, y'all have heard me say this, give this example before, but I've heard you say, I've said before, if I, if I go to Walmart and I give out uh, an iVite card, one of my iVite cards, y'all got your iVite cards with you? All right, three of you do, thank you. Your iVite cards that we keep right out there in the, one of them places out there. <laughs> They're, they're, they're rubber banded in packs of seven or ten or whatever else. But if I give out a Walmart, if I'm at Walmart and I hand out an iVite card to, as I'm checking out and I just say, listen, I don't know if you have a church home or if you can care about church, but uh, we, uh, we'd love to have you come. Boom, gone. I've said this before. Uh, whoever I give that to 
may or may not come, and most likely is not going to come. I'll just be honest with you. I've given out thousands of them and, and seen very little results from it. But I've also said, if in that same week that I was in Walmart, how many of y'all, all right, how many of y'all are probably in Walmart at least once during the week? Come on, how many of you in Walmart at least once during the week? What if every single one of us gave out an iVite card while we're in Walmart? Would that have an impact? Well, it might not be the same checkout person. Might not be, might be. God might be able to orchestrate it so that they get in a conversation at, at, at break time. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying, when, when the priority begins to change, and I begin to think about the kingdom of God, that's when we'll begin to see the kingdom of God multiply. That's when, that's when more people will come to know Christ. That's when baptismal waters will be stirred. That's when seats will be filled up. It's just, it's just a benefit of realizing that his priority is the only thing. All right, uh, let's move on real quickly. Um, their penalty is a real thing. And, um, well, let's just see what it says. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. Well, that's kind of heavy, pun intended. Now, think about this for a moment. And he, obviously, Jesus, uh, little ones, refers to the, the child. He's still holding this child. Remember, he's picked this child up, and he, he's used this child as an illustration to his disciples. And he said, guys, th- this, is, this is what a follower of mine looks like. And not, it's not the age thing. He says, a follower of mine is, is, allows me to, to direct their life. They're completely surrendered to me. They're trusting in me. They have a complete confidence and trust in me. That, that, so he's still got that child in his hands. And he uses it, and he says... Someone that causes uh, another person to stumble in their faith or prevents a person from coming to faith or in some way uh, interferes with the work of the kingdom because it's God's desire, I believe it's God's desire to reach all peoples. Jesus said, it would be better if you dropped dead before that happened, before you had a chance to interfere with someone's spiritual direction and, and their eternity and that sort of thing. Listen, that's, chew on that one a minute. Now, that, uh, that tells us, among other things, that, that God's, again, this eternal perspective is showing up because God says, it's better if, if you just didn't even live that out and it'd be better if you didn't even go in that direction and hinder a person. It'd be better if you just had a millstone tied around your neck and you sank to the bottom of the, of the river than to do this. The penalty is, the penalty is a real thing. And I, I, you know, I know, I understand. I understand that there are people that do not like that. Okay, look, look at this passage in Isaiah. I want, you, I want you to get a full grasp of this. You will see, you will rejoice, and you will flourish like grass. Then the Lord's power will be revealed to his servants. But he will show his wrath against his enemies. Look, the Lord will come with fire. His chariots are like the whirlwind to execute his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment on all flesh with his fiery sword and many will be slain by the Lord. Listen. This is our God. This is our God. 
And, and I know there are people who say, well, I, 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 just, I just don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of people talking about God like that. God is a God of love. And, and, and I just, uh, listen, I know that people don't like it. I know that people don't believe it. But listen, you, you, you need to believe this. The decisions of eternity are not made by committee. God, creator of the universe, determines what is right and what is wrong, determines what, what is to be and what shall be and what needs to be and what... Decisions of eternity are not made by committee. God makes those decisions and God has decreed that there is a penalty for those that interfere with the, with the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now... In case you think that somehow that God takes pleasure in that, I want to remind you of this passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 30. Please understand, it brings God no pleasure to do what He will do. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. People who who reject Him, people who rebel against Him. I take no pleasure in that. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can, what? Live. Live. He's not just talking about physical life. They're already alive. He's talking about spiritual, eternal life so that they can live. Turn. Look what it says. Turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. In the context, he's, he's talking about the rebellion of the nation of Israel, but it would apply to all of those that would rebel against him. Why should you die? It's not, a, it's not something God enjoys. It's not something God... But God's holiness, God's righteousness means that God will judge sin. He will judge un redeemed unpardoned sin my sin was judged at the cross when Christ died for me because I accepted his payment for my sins but for those who don't for those who reject it for those who turn another way there is a penalty and listen that it's it's serious business so it means for the for the Richard Dawkins and those like him of the world who who scoff at the reality of God and ridicule those that believe in God and ignore the mountains of empirical evidence that point to the existence of a God. It means that unless their heart is turned to God, that there will be a penalty. It means a spouse that that is preventing a person from going. It means a parent that is preventing a child. from. It means a, a, a nation, a country that is preventing uh, people from advancing in their understanding of God. It means that there is a penalty and it's real. And, and Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't want, he just says that it'd be better if a millstone was tied around their neck and they were tossed in the sea. Okay, so their penalty is a real thing. Here's the last one I want to talk about this morning. A purging is a needed thing. Do we know what a purging is? To, to, to get rid of, to eliminate, to purge, to, to cut it, I don't remember how to, to get rid of it. 43. <laughs> if your hand causes you to stumble, say it. <laughs> say what? <laughs> if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, say it, it is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, 
where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And he closes out that section of teaching. You would be hard-pressed to find in all of Scripture um, a more somber and serious and graphic analogy of the importance of eliminating some things from your life that God may not want in your life. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye is causing you to stumble, pull it out, pluck it out, throw it out. Now, listen. Relax, okay? Jesus is not, is not endorsing self-mutilation, okay? He's really not. Jesus knows that, that, that sin issues don't really come from my hand, and they don't really come from where my foot takes me, and they don't really come from my eye. They ultimately come from my heart. Really? Right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that right? Jesus is not endorsing self-mutilation. Jesus is not saying... You, you, you're better off being, having one hand, one leg, and one eye, and you need to cut them off because if you stole something, if you, that's not what he's saying. Bottom line, cut to the chase. Uh, here it is. What he's saying is it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Whatever it is that may be uh, hindering you in your, in your growth, it's not worth it in the long run. You're better off purging. You're better off getting rid of that thing in your life. That there are things, there are, uh, there are people, there, there are lots that, that, can, that can hinder your growth in, in your walk with Christ. Does anybody know that that's true? Has anybody done this for very long and said, wow, yeah, I know, I let this happen, or this person is negative, you know, all, whatever that kind of be, stuff would be. Jesus says, you may need to purge some of those things from your life. You may need to get rid of some of those things in your life. Now, let me say this. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything that needs to be purged from your life is in itself a bad thing. For example, I know I've told this before too, but uh, some of you know that uh, years ago I was uh, a top 10 ranked tennis player in the state of Florida. That ranking required me to spend five to six days a week, two to three hours a day minimum on a tennis court while working a full-time job for the Postal Service and raising three kids and, and being loved on by my wife. and all that. Uh, Do you understand? Is, is, tennis, is tennis bad? No. No, it's, it's not in itself bad. But if... if if God was going to take me where God had some plans to take me and what he was going to do with me and, and how I was going to continue in this, in this growth, in this walk with Jesus, if he was going to get there, then, then I had to purge tennis out of my life. Does that mean I could, should, could or should never play tennis again? No, but the way I was doing what I was doing with it, what, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily that, it's a, that tennis is a bad thing. Ooh, tennis, evil. It, it's, it's, not, it's not that. It's that... It needed to be purged from my life if I was going to go where God wanted me to go. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. All right. 
Let's talk about uh, those influences, all right? What, what, what do we need to purge? What, what do we don't need to purge? How do, how do we know what to purge? Uh, here, here's what I'd say. There basically are uh, three types of influences in our life. There are positive influences, uh, and those are kind of self-explanatory, right? I think you can think of, all right, what are the things that I do in my life that help me in my, in my spiritual journey, that help me with my walk with Christ. And, you know, it might be I, I have a copy of God's Word on my phone or a hard copy, and, and I, I set time aside, and I'm trying to read, I'm, I'm praying, I'm trying to learn about this stuff, and, and I, I try and hang out with a, with a group of people in a life group, and we're doing a study, and, and I, I go have accountability with this guy, and we do, met, you know, those kind of things, we can look at them and we can say, wow, that's, those are some positive influences, I need those. There are neutral influences, all right? And I, you know, you just have to think in your own, but there's neutral things. If, if, I, if I love uh, Goodberries, and I do, if I go to Goodberries and, uh, and have a concrete, uh, it, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily affect my spiritual journey. You understand what I'm saying? It will certainly affect my waistline. Uh, but, it's not, but it doesn't necessarily affect my spiritual journey. That, that's, a, that's a neutral influence, so to speak. Something's in my life that's not... So there, there are some things that may be neutral in their influence. And then there are some things that are negative influences, right? Now, some things are fairly obvious, right? If you, if you struggle, and, I, and I'm just serious I can be with this because I, I know the statistics of this, uh, if you struggle with pornography, for instance, and, and the statistics are scary, folks. If you struggle with pornography, I, I don't think you've got to pray about whether you need to get that out of your life or not. You understand what I'm saying? It's pretty obvious that God has a standard of righteousness and holiness and, and, that, and that your purity towards your spouse and you know, all that, that kind of stuff. Some things are, are, are fairly obvious. And in, in dealing with that, specifically it, pornography, if you struggle with pornography, get rid of your computer. <laughs> well, what? Well, I could, I could never get rid of my computer. Why? To borrow from Jesus, if your computer causes you to stumble, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life without Google. <laughs> or to end up... Or to end up in the flames of hell where there's no internet access anyway. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, we just have, sometimes we've got to make hard choices. And I don't mean that's a hard one. But I'm just saying, well, it is hard if you're addicted to it. It's, it's very hard. But I'm just saying that you, sometimes you've got to say, that doesn't belong in my life. I need to purge that from my life. Some, uh, some negative things perhaps aren't as easy to recognize. Let me say a couple things about uh, negative influences in your life. Some influences may appear negative, but they may be positive. All right? Now, we'll get to how you discern those in a minute. But uh, some influences may be negative, but uh, may be positive. Now, uh, how, do, how do I know that? How do I know if it's actually a positive? Let me give you an example. Work. <laughs> yeah. You work. I've done, I have. Uh, work with people that just, you know, they're just... There are pictures in the dictionary under the, the definition for ungodly. I mean, they just, they, they, they're foul mouth and don't want to have anything, and just, you know, all kinds of temptations around you. And has anybody ever been in a work environment like that, that's, that you look at it and say, man, this is not healthy. This is not a good environment for me. Uh, 
Certainly spiritually, it's not a good environment for me. Right? You may need to purge that from your life. But it pays really good. You may need to purge that from your life. But you may not, because it's possible that it may be a good thing. It may be that God is allowing you to be there for a reason. It may be that because that circumstance, that workplace, for instance, is so hard and so difficult, and those people are so, yeah, and all this and that, it may be that that is the very place where you are driven to your knees, that you're driven into the presence of God. Maybe that very place that causes you to say, God, i got to focus on you. All this is going on around me. i got to focus on you. I know I need to read your word. I need to find out what you have to say. And God, I'm gonna, I need to pray. And I need, you understand what I'm saying? And as a result of that, what happens? You grow spiritually. That's right. You, you mature in your walk with Christ in a way that perhaps you would not have had you had the ideal job and everything's easy going and everybody's, you know, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> it was like, so I worked at Chick-fil-A at their corporate headquarters when I was in school down in Atlanta and tell everybody like, you know, big massive corporate headquarters, you know, and everybody passed on the, in the hall. It's like, praise the Lord, brother. Amen. Pass me a Chick-fil-A. So you may not, you understand? So it may be the hard time that actually is the place where you can grow the most. That's all all I'm saying. So you may, that may not not be to be purged from your life. May not just need to walk away. And then the second idea was some influences are negative, but God may want you there anyway. There may be a cost for you, but God may want you there anyway. It may be that that very place that is hard and that the people are so negative and nasty and the influence and the, the temptations are great it may be that, that place is the place where you can have the greatest influence for the kingdom of god and god's ultimate what what's the priority got right the kingdom it's god's priority it's the kingdom and so god may say uh, i know this is hard for you i know you know but i've got a purpose i need you to be here because you're going to influence those people in ways that you don't even know i need you to be there i need you to do that yes it's going to be hard so god god may have that for you okay God may have that for you. I just need to say that. Oh, let me say one other thing about that, and then we'll kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, some of you, perhaps, maybe, or someday, if you're not married, maybe you'll marry some person that, that is just, just hard. That they're, they make it hard for you to follow Jesus. Some spouses are just kind of neutral and they, whatever. But you, some of you may be married to a spouse that, just, that makes it hard for you to be a follower of Jesus. And, and you may at times be thinking, man, it would, just, it would be better for me if I just got away from this person. And I, I just feel like I would be better off growing and knowing Jesus and all that kind of stuff. No, you wouldn't. Because, number one, God may want you there for the very reason I just mentioned. He may want to use you to invest in your spouse's life. And, and even if you, it doesn't matter whether you see any fruit or what you see is happening, but God may want to use you to be Jesus to that person. But also, you made a covenant commitment before God, whether they thought about that or honored that or not, you did, and, and God wants you to uphold that. Now, when we get next week, we'll get into chapter 10, and the first thing Jesus opens with in chapter 10 is teaching on divorce. So we'll look at that, and we'll look at what he says about divorce and when it's allowed and, and what you should do or if it's allowed, all that kind of stuff. We'll look at that in chapter 10. But all I'm saying is, is right now that, that things that may be negative in your life, God may have you there for, for a good reason. Okay. Real quickly, because I am out of time, uh, let me give you a mess. This is the mess that you can, you can use to say, okay, well, how do I figure out? What do I need to purge? What do I not need to purge? First, you need to meditate. You need to meditate on the Word of God. Now, it's a very spiritual-sounding word, meditate. Hum, no, I don't, I don't know. 
you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to read, you need to get into the Word of God, you need to begin to talk to God as you're reading or whatever, however that works out for you. But you need to begin to meditate, focus, concentrate on God and what He wants for you and whether, whether this thing that's in your life or this person that's in your life, this friendship, this work situation, this, this whatever, whether it should stay in your life or not, whether it should be purged out, whether it should be eliminated from your life or not. If you, don't, if you don't do this, if you don't meditate, if you don't spend time with God and seek His wisdom on what you should do or should not do, then please, please, please do not blame God if things do not turn out the way you wanted them to or you get angry or, or whatever else. You've got to invest the time. Meditate. Second, uh, evaluate. If you've spent time, if you've meditated, if you've sought God's counsel from His, wor- <clears throat> from His Word, you're seeking His wisdom... God, I promise you, God will give you the wisdom to evaluate each and every situation, subject matter, person, whatever it is, and, and he'll be able to speak in your heart or life about whether get, get, get away from it, get out of it, get, get, be done with it, or stay in there. I've got purposes, things I want to do. Um, you need, you've got to evaluate. You don't just make snap decisions. You don't make, make emotional decisions. You spiritually discern and evaluate whether God wants you to be involved in that or not. Third, separate. If, if you get a clear word from God and he says, this is not healthy for you, I don't want this for you, I have other plans for you, you don't, you don't mess around with it, you don't play around with it, you, don't play, you cut it off. You separate. You get away from whatever that is. And that's hard. That's hard. And, and sometimes the separation will come from the other end. You know what I mean? When, Je- when Cindy and I first came to Jesus, started following Jesus, a lot of the people that we, we hung out with, they, they just didn't want to hang out with us anymore because we were... I mean, we weren't trying to be freaks or anything, but we were just, we were just different. We just, we just had the joy of the Lord, and I don't know, it was just different. And, but sometimes you may have to say, separate. And then uh, last, saturate. You need to saturate your life with those positive influences that we talked about a moment ago. You've got to, uh, and can I tell you this, if you don't, haven't discovered this already, the demonic realm, which I believe is very real, Satan will find plenty of reasons and excuses and and whatever else, to keep you away from the positive influences of your life. Have you discovered that? Whether it's, you know, to, oh, I, man, I know I need, to, no, I need to have a time with the Lord before I, before I go to work this morning, but, oh, man, I'm running late. I just, I just can't do it. Whether it's busyness, whether it's success, whether it's, you know, financial blessing or ma- material things or, or relationships or whatever, he, he will keep you. He'll keep you from, his, from God's Word. He'll Keep you out of life group who keep you, you know, all these things that you just have to think about and, and say, all right, I've, I've got to saturate my life with these things if I'm going to accomplish and be who God wants me to be. Listen, I know, uh, we got to close. I know this is a lot. I, I know there's a lot here in verse 30 through 50. I know there's a lot of things to take in. But as I said at the beginning, life is a very fragile thing. And uh, we can be here today, we'll be gone tomorrow. And if if God is real, and I firmly believe that he is, then what he says matters. And Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. Remember, when we get to chapter 11, it, that's the last week of Jesus' life. When we get to chapter 11. So he's about to head in Jerusalem for the last week of his life. So Jesus is he's trying to impress this upon his disciples, and so he's trying to impress this upon his disciples. He's saying, guys, listen, here's what matters. Here's what you've got to get a hold of. You've got to have the right perspective. You've got to have the right priority. You've got to have all of those things if you're going to succeed at this thing and have the life that I intended for you to have. We pray that today's message has given us all some things to think about. 
As Pastor Clay laid out for us, his priority is the only thing that really matters. Making his priorities our priorities, we have a focus on his kingdom and his desire to reach others. But we also saw that Jesus had a very sobering warning for those who hinder the faith of others. Finally, as Pastor Clay explained, we may need to eliminate some things from our life when they hinder our growth or hurt our witness. Clearly, Jesus is challenging all of us to think seriously about what it really means to call ourselves a follower of Jesus. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, We experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.